Max Gorlin, Melbourne Football Club. You're listening to the Coaches Panel. This is Nat Fife from the Fremantle Footy Club. Trent Cochin from the Richmond Footy Club. Scott Benderbury from the Collingwood Football Club. You're listening to the Coaches Panel. Patrick Cooch from the Carlton Footy Club. It's Rory Sloan here from the Adelaide Crows. This is Tom Mitchell from the Hawthorne Footy Club, and you're listening to the Coaches Panel. Hey friends, you got MJ from the Coaches Panel. I hope you're well. You are 13 weeks through your fantasy footy season. You've got 10 left to go. And importantly, just one week left of your multi-buy rounds. There's plenty of stuff to get to as we head into round 14. Joining me on this week's episode, i got Benny Gogos. Hello, buddy. How you doing? Great, thanks, mate. It's crazy we're uh, rounding the bend. I can still remember the first moments of pre-season, so... Time flies when you're having fun, mate. I remember doing some 50 most relevance with you very early on in the preseason, I said. That is for sure. And that is now at least a good six months in the rear vision mirror. But that is okay. Uh, it's also, it's been a long time. Consider him, uh, the jo- for those that have played fantasy footy for a while, the Josh Dunkley of the 2016 season, who, who played a couple of games back to back, wasn't seen for a good couple of weeks, but came back right at a crucial time in the season for us. I'm re- referring to Jordox is back on the podcast. Hello, buddy. How you doing? Hello, mate. Yes, good to be back. He went on to win a premiership that year too. So, yeah. Well, Maybe I'm in for a good finish to the year. Ominous signs for you, my friends. All right, lads, there is plenty to talk about in a moment. We want to get to some of our Patreon questions. Of course, if you're loving what you're getting from the Coaches Panel, you can always support us. All the links for that are at coachespanel.tv. There's exclusive content, access to groups, and you get your question on the podcast. That is just some of the rewards you get, as well as an extra podcast, a bunch of other stuff. Want to talk trades, uh, premiums and whether or not we should sideways them. I want to get to that for a lot of coaches. And of course, look at the four teams that have just completed their scheduled rest and who are some guys we should go and get. Before we get into any of that, lay of the land for you, coach, um, to let you know where life is at. Round 14, you got eight teams on the buy this week. It is a painful week for coaches, probably anyway. Then with the AFL fixture changes and West Coast and Richmond now also into this, it is pain city for a lot of coaches. Again, we'll talk about that in a second. Here's what it means for you though. Dream Team and Supercoach, this time last week, they bumped two additional trades into the format for you. So you can use them now anytime over the remaining course of the season. And they upped the amount of trades you can make this week to a capacity of four. AFL Fantasy, They have done the same for you this week. They have upped your capacity to four trades, not the usual three trades available to you, but that is it after that. And for this round, only for the last time this year, please, Jesus, no COVID more impacts on our games. It will be a best 18 players on the field. If they're not on the field or you don't have a loophole or an emergency or whatever, that doesn't count. They gotta be on the field. That is what you need to know. And the teams that are on the buy this week, you can trade them in and out of your team as often as you like. But the moment that last game gets underway, they are locked out. And if you've put the captaincy on one of them to take a loophole, then that captaincy score is going to get doubled and locked in. That is the lay of the land. All right, Benny, let's jump into straight away. Looking at some of the teams that have come off their scheduled rest for us. It's just the four teams, not the six. Um, Jordox, you too, we want to get you involved on this. And I almost want to look club by club. We'll start at Brisbane in a sec. And the aim is pretty simply, if we were to look to trade in players from this club, kind of across the format, some may be more specific and favoured than others. 
who are the players we should be considering, whether it's value, whether it's top end, whatever it actually is. Let's talk about Brisbane. Ben, who are some Lions that we should really be considering and looking at over this next kind of week to two weeks as trade-in targets? Yeah, well, there's a there's a few that comes directly to mind. So I think you've got to look at the premiums. Um, yep. Now, Jared Lyons is the, the one that's been incredible. He's been outstanding throughout the season. Uh, the beauty with Lyons is he's never going to get a tag. Nope. Um, Downside is his price that he's at a top price, 776000 In Dream Team, he's averaging 111 for the season. Um, right now, we're at a stage with our teams basically across the board where we're trying to complete them. Yeah. Um, so we're looking at sort of that nine trades, maybe the 10 trades, and potentially by the end of the week, we might be staring at seven six, or, six or five. Yeah, it's yeah. getting very low MJ. So... Uh, conserving money i would suggest potentially looking past the jared lines yep. um so i look a bit further down the line i, I look at someone like a humor cluggage nice. um so we're bringing him in for sixty-five thousand. now he's been down over the past sort of three four five weeks um but prior to that he was having a run of hundreds that was probably the first time in his career we've really seen what he can do so just looking at his numbers here he had seven hundreds in a row from round three all the way up to round nine. Very consistent. Copped a little bit of attention against the Giants. Um, didn't see the Richmond game, so I can't speak on that. But he he's someone that clearly is going to be a fantasy star for the next five plus years. Yeah. Um, concern with him is that he is so damaging. Um, as we all know, if you've ever watched a, a Brisbane game, he's one <laughs> of the best um, inside 50 um, exponents we have in the AFL. So... He's going to get tagged at points in the season. Yeah. Um, Brisbane is going deep. Um, so again, we move, we look further afield. Daniel Rich is the one in the back line having yeah. his breakout season, averaging around that 100 mark. Again, paying top price, MJ. It's something I don't love to do. Yep. Um, Lockie Neal's the guy that I think is the one that really uh, screams out to me. I get a yeah. little bit excited about him, but it's not the time right now. So... He's at, um, he's at 740 and he's obviously had a down year uh, after an incredible season, but he's going to drop a, a fair bit further. So he's coming into Dream Team this this week with a break-even of 169. So Yeah, it's similar across the formats, yeah. Yeah, yeah. We can wait on this like one or two weeks and potentially be buying him for around that 690 mark. So from Brisbane, MJ, he, Lockie Neal is the guy that I think um, is the one to be waiting on and... The other guys to me are not anyone that, not people that we need to be uh, attaining this week. I like all of those names. I wouldn't bring them up if I didn't. Yeah. Um, but yeah, just be mindful. We're trying to get to our finished team with as many trades as we can possibly have. And that's going to be a really difficult thing, especially with West Coast and Richmond, which we've spoken about in previous weeks. Yeah, it's cool. In a moment, Jordak. So I want to get your take on some Carlton players to kind of look at in just a moment. But I'm a big fan on that Lockie Neal call. Again, not this week, nor the following week. He's coming up against Geelong. It, Mark O'Connor did a really nice job in tagging, not just against him, but in, against numerous opponents this year. He's done a really nice defensive midfield role. In two weeks' time after that, He's going to be priced around about that 530 marker in Supercoach, um, which is just crazy value given what his price point was at the start of the year. And in and around 700,000 around in Dream Team and AFL Fantasy, after that matchup against Geelong, this is their next few matches. 
Adelaide, go and look at the history of midfielders against Adelaide this year, especially clearance first touch players. They smoke them. You want more proof? Go look at Jack Steele's game before three-quarter time. He was killing it after that. St Kilda. Oh, go and look at some of the Adelaide scores in that game. They brained it through the midfield after that. Richmond. They ain't tagging him. They will happily allow him 35 touches, no problems asked. Then after that, Hawthorne. They aren't tagging. They'll happily try to put Tom Mitchell head to head. And as great as Tom Mitchell is, Lockie Neal, if he's fit, is going to dance every day around that man. And then after that is Gold Coast, the easiest team in the midfield to score against at the moment. And I don't care if someone says, oh, Took Miller might go to him. No, no. Took's an offensive weapon in his own. And if he's stopping anyone, it's Zorko, not Lockie Neal. And so I'm, I'm on board with that call. I think Neil's the one. If you can wait two weeks for that final M8, oh, with that fixture, with that price, he's the one off the lines. I think it's a ripping call, man. Even even a Collingwood in the prelim week, MJ. So yeah. round 22, home, Collingwood, obviously, like they're going to be around the bottom of the ladder. It's a fantastic fixture. Yeah, um, That's one of the best fixtures I think you can have for the rest of the season. So that's really exciting. Yeah, if you can hold a, a giant Newcomb in that spot for a week or two and just bank that 60, 70, whatever he gives you, he's not going to have 14 tackles every week. But if you can bank that 60 or 70 and get to a lucky Neil at that bottomed out price, oh, he'll be fit, he'll be firing, he's off a rest. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a big fan. Let's talk Carlton players though, Jordox. Another disappointing season yeah. for him, but who are some of the blues if we wanted to pick a Carlton player across the formats? Where's the eye going to? Okay, so Carlton's a bit harder and just because uh, Brisbane's premiums are, you know, Benny had a whole list of them there and uh, Carlton, I've had to look a little bit deeper. I Making mean, your Cripps, work on your return, mate. <laughs> yeah, no, it's good. Cripps is one that I just I just can't get my head around. Things might be a bit calmer. I think he'd, he'd signed on or he's going to sign on or there was talk of that. Um, he's had a buy. He should be fresher. I, I just, I just can't with Crips. Walsh is, is that because you've been um, burnt by the past? Just out of curiosity, is that because you, you've just got a, yeah. a bit of a, a sour taste in your mouth out of him more than anything else? Um, look, if I'm honest, yeah. yeah. But, but also, I, I just don't see anything there that's gonna that tells me he's gonna flick a switch. Um, sure. Because I think it's been his breakout in in a fantasy sense was 2018. And that was, you know, that was three years ago. He hasn't been anywhere near that for, for many reasons. Sure. Um, well, just just on that one as well with with Paddy Cripps. So um, up until round eight, I would agree with you. He's had a very, very sort of poor, very average season. But he put together a very good three weeks against Melbourne, Hawthorne and Sydney. So a yeah, couple solid. of decent, decent teams there. Now... My concern with him, and I, I would actually be uh, defending him, I think around that sort of 585,000 mark, which is what he was in Dream Team um, in round 10, yeah. I think he was an exceptional buy. But my, my concern, and, and it's not a concern so much with Patrick Cripps, but more a concern with the Carlton coaching <laughs> panel, he was playing a lot of forward in yeah. round 12 against West Coast. So he seemed to be moving fine. He was uh, moving incredibly well against Sydney in round 11. 
My only concern with him is the body. And I, I probably would want to see him play one more week. Um, but I, he is the type of guy that stands out to me as we were talking about MJ with that price point. Six, 645K is still a very good deal. He's got a break even of 90 in Dream Team. So I wouldn't personally be ruling him out. Supercoach, he's uh, 467,000, yeah. by the way. Wow. Yeah, and, and I would have think Supercoach was his game, but even yeah. his scores there. So look, it, it, look if, if you if you want Crips and you like Crips, I'm not going to stop you. And, and a few weeks ago, if you jumped on, you know, to get those three tons in a row. But um, if he came out and scored a 50 this week, I just don't think any of us would be Shot. that surprised. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, um, uh, look, Walsh is absolutely flying. He's a jet. I want to talk about a couple of different ones. And sure. our, our back lines have been probably our favourite lines this year. I think we've all had pretty strong back lines for the bulk of the year. Mm. If not, or if you're looking for another one, um, there's a couple of Carlton guys that are a bit, bit interesting. So Nick Newman um, really caught my eye before the bye. Um, not so much his numbers, more his role. He's sure. come in and... Um, he just started to look a bit more like the Nick Newman we saw at Sydney, yep. who just wants the ball, give me the ball. I'll give you the ball now, give me the ball back. And <laughs> I've been waiting for him and Doherty to start a bit of a kick-to-kick type scenario that they had, um, that Kate Simpson had with Doherty in those glory years. Uh, glory from a fantasy point of view, of course. Um, so, look, he's a bit of a look, wait and see. He topped a pretty big head knock um, two weeks ago. He's had the bye. He comes back in this week. Uh, just looking at Dream Team, he's probably not in a huge bargain at the moment. He's under 600, one to keep an eye on. And then the other one is, um, can't believe I'm saying it, but uh, Zach Williams. No, I think you're right. He, he's, such, he's such an interesting one because GWS, he was, um, he was never one that I was, uh, you know, desperate to have and we all kind of thought you go Carlton play midfield and, and just brain it and it's been you know um, it's been quite a interesting first year for him he's been thrown in the midfield he's been uh, now he's gone back but just looking at his scores looking in Jerome Team Fantasy you know two of his last three have been um, 90s uh, there's an unfortunate 60 sandwiched in between but again it's kind of like the Nick Haynes one if you think that role is going to get him back to what he was doing. And we've seen him do in that role with GWS. Um, he's a bargain. Yeah, I think that's a really Probably good shout. Is. Yeah, like that, that's a really nice comparison in the sense of we know what he can do in the role. The, the issue with Zach is pretty much durability is the concern through there. I think that's a really nice shout in terms of what he's done in Supercoach um, in that format. He's 445,600. His past four scores, 85, 124, 80, 103. And Carlton in the next month play GWS, Adelaide, Fremantle and Geelong. And, and then it does open up a little bit more, including a, a round 23 matchup against GWS for an additional time. The only slight risk there might be um, if Matt DeBoer does play that forward tag role um, that he sort of tried to play a little bit on Aaron Hall over the weekend, he might be the <laughs> yeah, one they go to. Him off. Yeah, he shrugged him off very, very quickly. The, the, other, the other thing too is, um, he, so he came to Carlton to be a midfielder and they've kind of got Cripps and Walsh and, and the midfield looking good. Ed Kurnow's had a really good year. Uh, so he's gone back to where he played at GWS, but they've got Doherty and they brought Saad across and Nick Newman's now back. So... Yeah, I don't know. He may end up forward yet, but um, <laughs> if he has that role at that price, he's worth a worth a look. 
Yeah, I'm a big fan of the Zach Williams call. I think, you know, Ben brings up that great point earlier about we're, we're desperately trying to get these last few premium options onto our field. And, and while Williams has had an indifferent season, history tells us when he's on the field, he can be a premium for us across all formats of the game. His value at that price point, um, he's not getting any cheaper. Um, the fixture's solid without being spectacular. Um, I, I think that's a good shout, Jordux. I think if you're looking for a, a D6 and you've got the big dogs, then that's important. You do need to make sure you've got the guys that could take a season away from you, which is this year it's Rory Laird. It's Callum Mills. Um, I think Lockie Whitfield's going to be that guy, um, given that GWS fixture, and we'll talk about that, I'm sure, during this episode too. So, so yeah, if you're in a position of a of a D5 or a D6 and you've got the big dogs, yeah, man, I'm all on board that. One, the one I'll throw up there as well is um, Sam Doherty. Yeah, so, interesting. Um, you know, he's been a clear uh, runaway as one of the, the best top tier defenders this year, but I actually think it's probably a, a, good re, a good idea for coaches to now start looking at fading him as an option. Yeah, good call. Um, so Nick Newman has come in and has basically taken that halfback role uh, from Doc. Doc's yep. been pushing up more to a halfback, uh, sorry, more even. to a wing slash uh, Jack Crisp type role, like a, a half kick behind the play, almost pushing into that midfield at times. Mm. Um, it's not a role that he's suited to, uh, especially like he's he's still only, what, 18 months off his, his second knee injury. He's yeah. not... He's never been an incredibly agile footballer in his in his career anyway. I and now we're seeing Zach Williams as being that the next linchpin that he has to have a great 10 weeks because then someone's on the chopping block block, whether it be a list manager, whether it be a recruiter, whether it yeah. be a coach. Um, yeah. they need to they need to get him confident. Um, I don't think that this spells good signs for Doherty's fantasy scoring. So yeah. if you don't currently have him, maybe look elsewhere. Yeah, I think it's a good call. He's copped a bit of um, he's copped a bit of criticism too. Probably first time in his in his career as a and as a, an established player, um, and particularly as a co-captain with his disposal, which has been off. And he yeah. um, he's get he's getting the numbers, but yeah, he hasn't had a great year. So yeah, it's a fair shout because he's he's not cheap or anything. He's he's reasonably priced, but it could be one that yeah target target a bit of value instead. Yeah, it's a good call. All right, let, let's talk about. Essendon again. It's just the four clubs coming off the bye. Benny, you want to get your take on that? There are some big dominant midfield premiums they've been delivering for Ooh. us. Uh, one is Zach Merritt, who's pretty pretty good this year across all formats. Normally a bit more favourable to Dream Team and AFL fantasy scoring, but he's been solid um, for us uh, across in SuperCoach. And normally you'd think a guy that's averaging one eleven in Dream Team and fantasy. Uh, and 111 in Supercoach, you go, well, you're probably the top bomber that people are looking at. But everybody that I seem to see on Twitter and Facebook and as part of mm. our Patreon community, when he keeps seeing what Darcy Parrish has been doing and find themselves going, I want me some Parrish, here's my question for you. I think I know the answer, but I want to ask it for the benefit of others that are eyeing him off. Can you spend the big bucks going after Darcy Parrish? He's six hundred and fifty-eight thousand dollars in Supercoach in Dream Team. Darcy Parrish, 
$862,000. world we are in? And in <laughs> AFL Fantasy is $879,000. Can you drop that amount of cash on Darcy Parrish? And before you answer, oh. his three-round average oh, this three team AF, is 142, three rounds. 151 in Supercoach, by the way. <laughs> his five-round average is 135. 140 in Supercoach. Hey. Go, Betty. Yeah. Look, yeah, you go, Betty. You go. He's, been, he's been quite special. He has. Look, I'll, I'll answer this with another question. Um, was Tuke Miller a good <laughs> option last week? For those that purchased him, they would absolutely feel justified based off what he gave him last week, for sure. 100%. 100%. And... Look, it's a great comparison. I, I speak about this um, a fair bit, obviously. I speak about this all the time. We're always looking for value. Mm. But every so often, there's one guy that we could look at and say, hey, this guy might be the guy that wins me the car or the car the was of uh, past years. But Parrish we're looking at right now and we're thinking, hey, is this, is this guy a Dane Swan? Is this guy mm. a Tom Rockley for years gone past? Yeah. Now, personally, I look at... Darcy Parrish and I, you know, I've been a football lover for since I was a little kid. I can't help but think Darcy Parrish is that 80s guy. So I look at these numbers <laughs> and I can't believe it. Um, I probably personally couldn't really go there. I probably I prefer the game of a Tuke Miller because he's he's uh, even a little bit more contested. He's a little bit more of that tackle guy. Yeah. Um, I just I have a warmer feeling towards him, but. If you're a big fan of Darcy Parrish, there's no, he has not given you any reason to suggest that he can't do it for the rest of the season. That's um, true. So, look, you know, I would, I would suggest if you can bring him into your team, then it means everything else is set up really well. And I want to hammer, hammer home that That's point. That's a good call. Yeah, you need to have everything else ready to go. He basically is the final upgrade or you have a guarantee of sorting out your upgrade maybe next week or two weeks down the line, like we are talking about, maybe a Lockie Neal is someone you've got the, the money available to. Um, for the vast majority of teams, and again, I, I really want to hammer home that point, the vast majority of teams, Darcy Parrish, even if you can afford him, isn't the best option for your teams. Yeah. But if you've done your cash generation incredibly well, he's someone you can be looking at. Um, and at 862, MJ, you're not getting value for money. <laughs> even if he even if he delivers 130 from here, he's basically priced at about 130. You need him to almost be doing that for you. Yeah, you um, need him to do what he's done in the last three weeks. Like you know, Jordox brought up that 140 rounding it across the formats from now to the end of the year, and to do that for 10 weeks, I don't care who you are. Um, not many people can do 10 weeks of 140 plus. Um, also knowing that Essendon will have some of those midfielders pop back into that side at some point. They're not moving him out of that role, but, but you, you get a Dylan Shield back in, he, he's going he's gonna to clip some of that points per minute. Mm. Absolutely. Even a Devin Smith, who's, a, who's very much a role player, who's likely back this week and a half forward. There's a little bit of points that is going to come because these are smart footballers. They know how to get into damaging spots. They know how to read the play. Um, so yeah, I, I'm a. I get why someone would be keen on Darcy, but knowing that cash generation is hard across all the formats, that trades are getting limited in Dream Team and Super Coach. Yeah, I, I think you're right. I think it's a unique experience that a coach can go. 
yeah, I can drop top dollar and mm. and overlook guys that are 50, 100, 150,000 cheaper that could, could, it's obviously they could go out a run 120 run and save you 150k or 100k. Yeah, I, I, yeah I'm, I'm with you on that, Ben. For, for perspective, if you, if you don't have merit or parish and you tossing up between the two, I mean, in Dream Team, you save 100 grand getting merit. And yeah. merit, you, you touched on him before, MJ, um, his season has been, it's actually been incredible because Zach Merritt, the problem I've found with Merritt over the years is every now and then he'll just drop a 60 or a 50 randomly. Like he did now, a month ago? This, yes, um, yes, <laughs> he did. Uh, he dropped a 60 against Freo, but apart from that, he scored tons in every single game. Yeah, he's been brilliant. Um, doesn't quite have the ceiling, but yeah, 100K for Parrish. Um, yeah, I, I tend to agree with Ben. All right. Um, Let's tap, let's get on to just quickly, MJ. Let's smash onto some of these uh, options that I probably prefer a little bit more. Yeah, let's get in down um, to those ones. Yeah. So Jordan Ridley is Ooh. someone that I still see as being an option. Yep. An option that I love or that I'm really excited by. Um, but we've got to be looking at the price we're paying for him now. Yeah, buy low for sure. Yeah, we are paying um, an absolute pittance for him, and in the best in. Uh, a sort of a world where like all the moons align, he can be one of the best scoring defenders in the game. So that's true. What would need to occur for that for that I think to play out is probably a Dyson Heppel might go down with an injury or might miss a few games. Nick yep. Hind is another one that's sort of been taking a few of his points. Yep. Um, but that's sort of the scenario that needs to occur. But I do not dislike the idea of Jordan Ridley being your final upgrade or your Jordan Ridley being someone that allows you to go out and get, you know, a Lockie Neal in two weeks, yep. especially as a D6. I think there's going to be teams with a lot worse D6 coming into the season than a Jordan Ridley. So yeah, nice. He's one that I like. Um, Nick Hind is a forward. Uh, forwards have been a really tough uh, sort of spot for us throughout the season. He's been consistent throughout. The beauty with Nick Hind is he's just, he is so determined yeah. um, and he, he's relentless. He will keep running for you. He'll have a game where he'll be on 40 at three-quarter time. I think we've seen this play out maybe numerous times across the last month or six weeks. And he'll come home like a train. He'll get that 40 points because he's always sprinting. He's always – he's just so desperate. Yeah. Yeah, So desperate. And I think he's one of those players that, you know, he he probably came into the AFL as maybe a bit of a late bloomer, never had a whole heap of talent. And so he's absolutely got the best out of himself and he's absolutely killing it. He's one of my favorite footballers to watch in 2021. So he's good. Um, he's fantastic. Now, Kyle Langford's That's the other one. That's an interesting one. one. Yes. Yeah. So we can pick up Kyle Langford as a forward, but he's been playing almost um, exclusively as like a midfielder and a bit of a, a wingman over the past four, five, six weeks. Yeah. Uh, and really, that's a transition that uh, Essen had always suggested was going to be the play for Kyle Langford. So now, now we're finally seeing that. Um, as we spoke about uh, a few minutes ago, there's a few Essen and midfielders to come back in. How does that affect his role? We don't yet know. My my opinion on that is that, um, unfortunately, I think it will affect his role. Yeah. However, I don't think that that's the right play for Essendon. I think right now Essendon should be trying to develop these guys as much as possible. Someone like Kyle Langford has just shown his career best form as almost a full-time midfielder. He should be getting the role. Whether that actually occurs, we do not yet know. But he's a guy that's put up, you know, a huge average over the last five rounds. Um, and for for teams that are looking for that final forward upgrade, uh, an extremely unique selection as well, MJ. Yeah, I I really like him, and I 
I think, you know, I think we've spoken about the big names, but Carl Langford's someone that I would be really looking at right now as a bit of a, a bit of a fun selection, something that might turn out great for you. Yeah. If it doesn't, hey, guess what? You know, there's only one person that can win Dream Team. You've had some fun along the way anyway, or Super Coach or AF or whatever your game is, but yep. he's got everything that's making you think right now he could be a great pick for the future. Really like that one. For those concerned, Dylan Shield, according to the injury list, is two to three weeks away. So that's probably the biggest name. McGrath's, have- sorry, mate. Yeah. Yeah, McGrath's dropped out. McGrath's eight weeks away. Caldwell's still at least six to eight weeks away. Devin Smith, more of a half forward, but might get the odd CBA to kind of roll through there. If you want to know what he's been doing over the past five weeks, uh, he's averaged 102 in Supercoach, 117 in the last three, with a seasonal average of 87 in that format. He's just priced at 474000 In Dream Team, which you've alluded to there, Benny, he's priced at 650000 uh, Average for the year of 86.9. In the past three, he's gone at 113 and a 102 in the last five. While in AFL Fantasy, of course, those averages are identical, and he's going to set you back 660. 63,000 um, with a couple of reasonable matchups in the next month. It's Hawthorne this week. That's a real nice matchup. Melbourne, a little bit harder. Geelong, a little bit harder. Then it does get Adelaide and North Melbourne uh, the fortnight after that. By then, of course, uh, they could have a Dylan Shield back. But I like that call, Jorox. And the other thing with Langford too, which is a little different to some of the guys we've been mentioning, is this is the week for it. His break-even's quite low yeah. um, across the board, and, and he's still a bargain, really. So if you have a feeling on Langford, unfortunately, I don't think it's one where you can wait and see. Um, if you like him, grab him this week. Yeah, I think so. I think it's a this week or not, because as Ben mentioned, there's some guys coming, there's some time coming that might impact that ceiling. So, yeah, I think it's a now or never kind of call. Um, on him, yeah, I think it's good. And chat. they're playing the Hawks as well, so it's yeah, a real match up. Yeah, yeah. He's yeah. not going to be as unique as you think, though. Just, just keep that in mind. He's he's, he's, he's growing. He is minute. growing just because of that price, just the price. And he's one of those ones where, because I, I heard his name a couple of times the last couple of weeks, and I had a look on Monday this week or Tuesday, and I'm like, oh wow, four out of the last five, he's scored a ton. That's sort of crept up on me. So yeah, he's doing all right. Um, yeah, a lot will be having a look. All right, let's talk about our final not, club not, coming off the bike. Oh, sorry, mate. No, no, sorry. Uh, I was just going to say, I'm not too sure about the hind call. I um, I found him to be an interesting target at this point of the year. I mean, I've, he's been talked about in a lot of various yeah, yeah. across the formats and, and, you know, all the things we like to read. And, yeah, I just think – I don't know if he's a target. I don't think he's cheap enough to be a target at this point. He's 100% fantastic to watch, like Benny said. Um, I love watching him. He just goes and goes and goes. But I just think he goes in and out of games too much. I'd like him to just relax for a bit and be a nice pickup to start. You need, you need even more Ven Shui, do you? Is that, is that what you need to see out of him? Well, he, he's just hot and cold. I mean, you said before he'll be on 40 or 50 at three-quarter time and you pull your hair out and then he finishes on 90. And you're like, well, you need to do that. Or he'll be on 50 at half time. You're like, yes, here we go. You finish on 74. So, I think that's just yeah. the nature of the player that he is. Um, because he's not yeah. an in and around the ball type of player, he's not a midfielder, he's he's a rebounding defender. Part of that is so yeah. dependent on the on the ebbs and flows of the game. I think what's so good about Hind is um, his scoring variation is so small. Um, his 
um, playing every week. He he will not get tagged. Um, with, with you've got the likes of Parrish and Merritt running and Mark through that midfield. Um, and, and so the fact that he's scoring variation in a line to get trust out of this year, out of our forwards, is it's just that he's not going to burn me with a 60 like a Heaney or a side bottom mm-hmm. might have the past month or so for a couple of us. Mm-hmm. Yet he's not going to smash a 120 for you. He, he, he's almost your Tom Stewart of the forward line where it'll be 10 to 15 points every single week. You might get the odd one that's the low 80s. You might get the odd one where you pop a 110. But give or take, he'll be within five points almost every week of a 90. And with forwards, I, I don't know if that's your thought, Ben, but for me with Hind, it's within five points of a 90 every single week across the formats. Just get it done. Has some good matchups, including Hawthorne this week. For me, it's a real if you do if you do grab him and or you already have him, like yeah. I do, um, don't track your scores live. Just look at the end. Never do. Yourself. Enjoy the free. <laughs> Never do that. That's a that's a really good point. Um, both of you bring up the ebbs and flows of the game for halfbacks mean that scoring is never consistent. We we see this even with guys like Sam Doherty. You know, yeah, Jack Bowes. Yeah, yeah. All he'll of them. be seventy five at halftime. And he'll finish on 100. And you'll be like, oh, well, he only got 25 in the first half, but uh, in the second mm. half. But the reality is he's a, he's a guy that gets the ball about 25 times a game. So he might get Every 20 of those in the first half. Don't expect him to finish on 40 possessions. It's the, the way the game's sort of manifesting. Think- it can also be that, you know, Carlton's playing a lot of uh, heavy possession. They realize that that's not working for them. They try and alter the game in, Direct in, route. in the yeah. game at halftime. Happens all the time. So... Don't worry too much about live scores. It's have fun with the game. And um, Heinz a guy that I just love because he's he keeps on giving effort when I think a lot of guys are getting really fatigued this time of year around you know round ten, round eleven. He's a guy that you know is going to be giving you heart till the end of the game. So that's, yeah, that's good. Me to watch and I think it. I think if he's in his first year with them, I think we're going to see next year those those little patches of games where he doesn't get it will uh, be minimised because yeah. I think everyone at Essendon is starting to realise get the ball in his hands because he's bloody good. That's right. They're getting used to playing with each other as a team for the first time. It's a good call. All right, let's talk about the doggies because I do want to talk about premium moves off uh, oh, players no are on the bike. The no, they're rubbish, aren't they, from a fantasy perspective? <laughs> uh, who, give me a couple. All right. We talked about Parrish and spending up the dollars. Is it the same theory with Jackson McRae? Granted, he's got more than six to eight weeks of runs on the board. Can you, go, if you're not a McRae owner, can you drop the big cash to get him or do you just have to hold and hope that he doesn't keep doing what he's done for the past four years and, and just build around it and against him? What's your take, Jordox? I, I think I'm a massive McRae fan and he's having some season. Let's, again. let's be clear. This is a guy who's, again, but this is this is next level for him. He, he's on 12 times in a row for it. Whatever it is, yeah, yeah. Um, Only player across the formats a ton every game. Yeah, yeah. It's it's been great. What I'd say with McRae, um, yes, you need to get him and you need to pay okay. up for him. Yep. But but with the butt of uh, his last score was a one fourteen, and for a guy like him, that's not huge. So what that means is his break even will start to creep up, and you could probably wait. Now, he could come out and score 140 and smash it out of the park. He probably will. But if he comes out with another similar score, like if he hits a 108, well, what, what, what are they going? They're going down to the Cattery, taking on Geelong. I mean, that's going to be a tough game. 
Sure. If he can score a low ton, those two games are 114 low ton, you will see him drop. Um, not by much. You're not grabbing him as a bargain. Yeah. But you can still get this guy without paying the absolute top dollar. That, that's what you got to do with these guys. Just It's like for those who don't have a Grundy or a Gorn. You just got to wait for when they have a, you know, what we would call a bad game for them. <laughs> it's still an elite game for most. And that's when you can pounce. Yeah. I'll actually, I'll dispute that at one a little bit. Awesome. Um, I think a guy like Jack McRae, you don't worry so much about the break even um, in my view. I, I look at Jack McRae and I think, when's the fixture? Because Yes. As a guy like Jack McRae, you're going to be captaining him. So I'm purely looking for him as being who is he is the guy that I need to captain in that fixture. Yeah, I, I refer back to um, Max Gorn or even Brody Grundy at, um, back around round seven, round eight. He had a, a couple of games against Gold Coast who didn't have a ruck and then Essendon who didn't have a ruck. His price was around 840000 but I think that was the right time to buy, even though it didn't quite pan out sure. in the end. He was the clear captain for both those weeks. Now his break even, you know, could have been 150. It could have been 160. I still think that's the right time to bring in, bring them in. You're also looking at a variation of about 20,000. So it's not, it's not huge. It's not a big deal. Um, I'd rather try and find, you know, the Lockie Neal that's got a break even of 160 and hasn't shown us that ceiling yet. And so we can go and bank our Jack McRae knowing that he's going to give us 120 every week. Yeah. Um, just as a bit of a, a different sort of thought on or outlook yeah. on the Uber. Yeah, it's good. Ab- yeah, good call. Absolutely. And and I I hear what you're saying and, and, and you're right. And everyone's going to play the game differently. I, I, I reckon we get caught up a bit much with the matchups. I mean, just looking at McRae's two worst scores of the year, Dream Team and Fantasy, and this is how good he's been. It's a 103 and a 101. But his two lowest scores of the year were against North Melbourne and Carlton and two sides who I probably look at that fixture and think, oh, yeah, here comes a big captain score for McRae. So, it's look, trying to get one of these big dogs is different ways to do it. I think what we'd agree on, Benny, is is if you don't have a Jack McRae, um, however you get him in... It'll um, cost you a lot of cash would, to get him whenever you get him. It will, him. but it, it would be a wise move, I would have thought. It, it's a great reminder for those that went against McRae at the start of the year, whether it was the, the narrative of the Bulldogs sharing or whatever it is, when it's these big dogs that you know are going to be captaincy options most weeks. And yes, we can't start with everyone. I understand that. But it's a nice narrative reminder for those that are looking at McRae going, oh, gosh, I just can't ever seem to find a time to trade him in. Life lesson for you in fantasy coach. Players like that, you start them. Um, and, and that's how you play the game. That's why you start with the Max Gorn types, your McRae types, the guys that you're like, I don't think there'll ever be a great time unless an injury, like which happened to Lockie Neal, um, that impacted his scoring so much of the season. A guy, if he's fit and firing like McRae, you're probably not going to do it. It was like that Ablett at his peak, Tom Mitchell at his peak, um, Tom Rockliffe at his peak, Dane Swan at his peak, Scott Pendlebury at his peak, all these guys, Jake Lloyd, probably up until before this season, the past two to three years, you mm. want them, you got to start them because you're not getting them more than twenty to 30000 cheaper than what you started them. Bond's probably in a similar realm, but go no, there for can me. Can I just add to that, MJ, just quickly? M- McRae is an amazing fantasy player. We all know that. Yep. I probably, if I didn't own him now, I would be thinking, okay, I'm not going to have him for the season. Go I'd against looking, him. I'd be yeah. looking at guys like a Mitch Duncan, you know, 
Mitch Duncan weeks. right now, he's got a break even of 200. He's priced around 760 in Dream Team. In two weeks, he's going to be at 685. Yeah, He has the scoring potential over, over a short to medium burst of maybe getting within five points of McRae or, or somewhere near there. Near the same, at, yeah. yeah. Getting getting very creative. Um, you want to be starting with McRae. It's such a headache to be bringing in a guy at 860. We were just talking about Parrish. Yeah. Get creative with it. I think Mitch Duncan's an amazing um, amazing guy to be bringing in a, in a, fortnight, a fortnight's time. Yeah, there's a couple of them. Bont's in that similar price. So, oh, if he's right towards the top of the tree, look, if he's your favorite player, you probably should have started him. Um, but, but again, it's that similar point of the damage is done. If you're playing the rankings game, go and look at what's unique in that bracket. Look at who's unique in those matchups in your leagues. Do those kind of things um, and, and see if there's, like Benny said, a comparable option of run, of fixture, better price, all that stuff to roll through. Daniel and Bailey Dale, um, you know, have both been nice and solid for us across the year. I don't think either of those players are going to win you a season, but they're probably not going to cost you a season by trading them in. There is one bulldog I want to talk about. I think in AFL fantasy, he's probably more flavorable to go into, and that is not a real word, but shut up, I'm going for it. Um, and that's Lockie Hunter. Um, he, he's yep. since the injuries to the midfield with Trelaw and Dunkley both going out, he's moved from that half forward role, which was why he picked up forward eligibility in AFL fantasy back up to a little bit more of the wing. And, and so certainly he's on, on coaches radars this week, more in AFL fantasy because he is forward eligible in that format. He's got a break even of 82. He's going to set you back 642,000, 7.5% of coaches own him. Um, and in super coach, he's probably had a better ceiling over the past couple of weeks because he's got a three-week rolling average of 112, um, but only averaging 91 over the totality of the year. Again, remember, up until a month ago, he wasn't really playing his preferred midfield wing role, rather high half forward at best. Here's my question I, I want to throw out. I think in AFL fantasy, he looks great. But outside of round one, he's just had the one ton. And that was in round 10 against St Kilda, and that was a 102. Yep, the hot pass three, 99, 93, 102. So he's great. He's solid, but there's not ceiling there. Supercoach, oddly enough, He's priced in that format at 511. He's like 60K more than Cripps. So I'm, I'm taking Cripps. I'm sorry, Lockie. I'm taking Paddy Cripps over you there. But in the past month there, he's gone 101, 111, 126, 101. So he's good. But the ceiling doesn't feel like it's there. So is this where yeah, yeah. we look at Hind? Is this where MJ, we just look at it? Talk to me through this, lads. MJ, I think um, a week or two ago, you might have mentioned something along the lines of Josh Kelly not having a great ceiling this year. <laughs> but his history was. Yep. I just said he hasn't shown it so far. Yeah, well, yep. no, he's had a history of uh, having some decent scores, hasn't he? He does. Uh, that might be the case that he might have a big back after the season, I think. I think if he stays through that wing role, there is value think, for money. I, I'm, I like Hunter in AF. I think it's. I think he's not being talked about. I think he's going to be just that little bit more unique. Obviously, Josh Kelly is miles ahead of him at the minute. Sure. Um, Lock, but Lockie Hunter, he does have a bit of a history of coming home like a steam train. He does. A few of these years. And look, obviously, 2018 is the big one. It's a while ago. He finished with two, four, six, eight. Um, 
eight tons in a row in Dream Team. And even last year, it's hard to work out, but he finished with a whole, about six games in a row, over 80, which is, you know, last year's ton equivalent. What I'll say, though, I, look, I, I'm not saying he's going to go and do a Josh Kelly because Josh Kelly's completely gone back to that role. I don't think Hunter's completely gone back to the role we saw him in last year and, and in recent years when he's been that that magnet. I think he's um, he's pretty he's pretty damaging forward of the ball, and, and I think yeah. they like him there. So we're not going to see a complete um, shift, I don't think. But what I will say is um, he's a forward option. In fantasy. And yeah. In fantasy, yeah, yeah. Sorry, I, I preface by saying I'm talking purely fantasy. I, yep. I don't think you would look twice at him in the others as a pure mid, but as a as a forward, um, scores haven't been on fire, but I can see him coming home pretty strong, um, even with that half forward role still being um, thereabouts. Yeah, we're about four to six weeks away from both of Trelaw and Dunkley coming back, but we mentioned this with Nick Hind. It's a line we've been struggling to get. And again, this is purely AFL fantasy where he's for it. Yeah. It's a line we're struggling to get a bankable 90 and a little bit of scoring deviation either side. It's a line where we're struggling to get ceiling and- consistently. Yes, we're getting it at the moment with guys like Hall and also Josh Kelly. Um, but for me, in AFL fantasy, over the next six weeks, if I was to put a, who are the guys that over the next six weeks are going to score the most amount of points through the forward line? Hunter's in that group of six top scoring guys for me, with, without any question. And so, it's an and, absolute no-brainer. Yeah, for me, it's an it's and a with, no-brainer in AFL fantasy. With Dunkley and Trelaw, if, if you are a little nervous of them coming in at the tail end, I mean, I, I can't see them being rushed back. I, I think the doggies, that, it's a, if, if they can show up a top four spot, that's it. Get them right for finals. So. Yeah, and you got two trades a week in six weeks' time when they're both back in AFL fantasy, which is what finals time and and that is the case in those final four weeks of the year you should have finished your site off in six weeks time in afl fantasy even though cash generation can sometimes be harder with the weekly price moves i mean so it's not as big a a move sometimes in a player in six weeks time you're not rolling around with john newcomb still on the field you're not rolling around with trent bianco or caleb polter still on the field these guys are gone and done and moved on and so yeah if the worst case scenario of hunter drops back to that high half forward role in six weeks time go and get somebody else Dangerfield's in that format pendlebury's in that format gosh go and get dunkley himself um in that format so yeah for me i think it, it's yeah, a it's a go. no-brainer yeah, it's an easy move. No it's like I, Kelly last week in AFL fantasy. People, are, I've seen a few people like Kelly was awesome. Hoots. I'm like, of course he is. He's playing in his midfield role where he's I, a one ten guy. It's been awesome. It's been awesome well before last week. He's it's been awesome well before last week. And, and as the sole yeah. long suffering member of the Josh Kelly yeah. club since round <laughs> one, I, I feel justified yeah. slightly with my hold at this point. But it was an yeah. easy. Well, lead. He wasn't even terrible. I know he would have been frustrating for you, but he wasn't even terrible. He was fine. He was hitting 90. Oh, yeah. Hunter, that's the thing. Yeah. Hunter's an absolute no-brainer. I think we can we can hit this one in the tail, but Hunter's a no-brainer. I would be taking Hunter ahead of Langford for anyone out there that's, Me too. that's looking at Langford as well. I'd go Hunter, Green, Langford. Yeah. If you want to put yeah. those three, that would be the way I'd do it. Toby Green, here's what I'll say about him. There's a question from a Patreon that wants to know value forward. Look, it's not super value, but it's value. Toby Green's scoring deviation across the year um, is about that 90 with 10 points either side. Look at his inaccuracy in front of goals. 
it's generally about one goal five, one goal four, one goal six, two goals four. What happens? Because there will be a game or multiple games where he kicks them all and he'll bang you the 130. Oh, and by the way, when the game was on the line and they were trying to beat North Melbourne, where did Leon Cameron put Toby Green? I, I don't know. I vaguely remember him being put into the midfield. What does Toby Green do when he's in the absolute midfield? Oh, it reminds me, Ben, if I cast my mind back to a, the grand final season of the GWS Giants of 2018, where by necessity of 2019, they had to play him through the midfield at the back end of the year because there were plenty of midfielders missing. Here's what he did for the last few weeks in Dream Team and Fantasy. 144, 115, 126, 146, 142. 99 in super coach 138 112 107 134 122 and a 115 in super coach you want a guy that has ceiling and that can win it for you it's toby green you want a guy that even if he plays forward he's going to be a 90 or there and thereabouts is toby green oh but he's got a bad injury history welcome to the forward line of 2021 everybody's got a bad injury history welcome to fantasy yeah. in 2021 and so pull the trigger on the guy that's got i think the best ceiling in the forward line barring patrick dangerfield um mm. i think he's got a better ceiling than aaron hall um across the formats so for me i'm on the toby green train this week Sorry, mate. He even has a great draw, mate. Oh, talk me through the fixture, Ben. Oh, it's an absolute... This is one of those things where we, we look at the draw and we, we get really excited, but I think the Giants one has taken it to a whole new level. So we've got Carlton in round 14. Pretty good game. That's tasty. Now, Hawthorne, round 15. Delicious. Very good game. Melbourne, round 16. A more difficult game. Sure. But then he's got, he's got Gold Coast, 17. Sydney in 18 at home, oh. Essendon 19. Yep. Plays Port, Geelong, Richmond, and Carlton, which are, are all okay fixtures, but it's the next sort mid-season. of four, five, six weeks, like a, up until the Essendon game in around 19. They are exceptional fixtures. And he, you know, he's just got the scoring potential. And, you know, he's he's someone that does like to beat up on the bad teams as well, mm-hmm. which is and an aspect we all love about our fantasy footballers. So you can go absolutely, you can't go wrong with Toby Green. I do, like you mentioned before, I have Lockie Hunter a fair bit up in the pecking order of those two. In AF, uh, yeah. But I mean, if Toby Green has the midfield role, <sighs> I, I would say he's like the Darcy Parish. Yeah. Like, you know, he's unstoppable. So um, yeah, any possibility of that occurring is incredible. And even if it doesn't, you still got a 90 forward. So the, there's, there's, very there's no limited. there's no downside, yeah. Yep. That's good. I, yeah, I, offer, I I could offer an alternate view because I've heard Green's name this week and last week, and um, look, everything you're saying is right. For me, there's just too many if if look if a, a Giants midfielder, you know, hopefully this doesn't happen, did go down and there was a, some sort of permanent change where Green went to the midfield. Sure, he is the the, the must must have of the comp right yep. against across any line. Um. If, like you said, he kicks straight, um, I mean, I'm looking at his scores. He's scored three tons. This is dream team. Um, mm-hmm. And two of those were low tons where he kicked five in both games. So as a forward, yeah, he's not bad. But, <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know. I reckon, he's, I reckon there's risk with him. 
I think that the the thing is though too, because because there is right there is risk with him. There is actually, if you want to, there is risk with every forward we have available to us. So so let me walk you through who who we got kind of top ten across the lines and and because you can build a narrative around there's risk in everybody. Jack Zebel been yeah. top forward for the year for us. Luke McDonald's back. Robbie Tarrant's back. That's some experienced ball users and a key defensive that structures them up a little bit where there's not that need to intercept. Um, what, what does that do to Zebel's score? We don't know, but we can build a case where we go, oh, I'm not too sure. And the same too with Aaron Hall. You, Luke McDonald had that role that Hall has right now last year and won a best and fairest and was exceptional in that. So does Luke McDonald take points and roll off either of these guys? Possibly. We don't know. And for non-owners of those players, you're going, please, yes, let it happen. Dane Zorko, he, he had, was been brilliant this year, but he's also one of the most prone players of giving away free kicks. If you've owned him since round one, how many times does he just give free kicks away? He's also prone to attack um, through there. So there's our risk. Dustin and, Martin. And Neil's back with him as well. And Neil's back with him. So there's points in there. McCluggage has got better. Lions has got better. Okay, that's some interesting thing. Dusty Martin, everybody owns him. But he's not really shown a ceiling game for us since round two. Okay, so if we're forecasting who's the top guy from now to the end of the year is dusty in that conversation well maybe it depends on how many must win games richmond have to have um and whether or not he needs to turn it on into dusty finals mode or not still side bottom a goal after the siren this week saved him from being outperformed by tracy in a couple of the formats and that's not to throw shade on tracy but he's been incredibly disappointed for owners across the format jarman impy got a 50 across the format shy bolton's on the bye but he's already missed a couple of weeks through injury and i feel like it's just moments away from teams deciding to shut down and tag him um, and try to stop what he can actually do through us through there. Isaac Smith doesn't move the needle at all in terms of scoring ceiling. Nick Hine got thrown forward a couple of weeks ago because Essendon were trying to win the game. Aaron Hall's made of paper mache and anything could go wrong. And then you're looking at key forwards in McDonald, Walker, Norton and Darling. And I just vomited three times in my mouth saying that. <laughs> all that to say, if you want to build a, oh, but what if case you can run the gauntlet for everybody all you can do is take the information you know then as best with the information you have about any player make your forecasts and then off the back of that what feels right for you in your temperament you in your coaching style and you in your objectives and if green you go oh, the injury history just drives me nuts i, I couldn't do it okay we'll, we'll go and pick dusty Who's got who's got great durability historically? That's fine, um, but the ceiling might be the thing. If you if you're looking to an attack and go, who could do the Darcy Parish for the next eight weeks? Well, Green, if he does in that midfield, or oh, he's as good as anybody is. Um, so, so those are the kind of the things that I do. What are your objectives? How risk averse are you? Don't do the what if game too far because otherwise you won't pick anyone ever. The, the, other, think, the one I, I just want to add on, sorry, George, you go, Benny. the one I want to add on no, you go. as well is um, Toby Green hasn't had a great game. Like Jordo just pointed out, like yeah. he's only had a 108. That actually excites me a little bit because I don't have any question marks. It, it comes back to the Josh Kelly, it comes back to Lockie Hunter. We've seen historically these guys have ceiling. 
I don't have any question marks that Toby Green has ceiling. I don't need to see it every single season to know that he's still a guy that can go out and have, you know, five goals and get 30 touches of the ball. Yeah. Um, so I'd like to see that he hasn't had it, thinking that, okay, the likelihood is he will have one or two really big games as we just saw it manifest mm-hmm. um, this week with a couple of guys. So that actually gravitates me towards a pick like Toby Green, just for the inverse sort of um, view or aspect. But, yeah. Um, yeah, I like that. I like the idea with Toby Green. Like he just, it, it sort of feels like worst case scenario, he's going to be that 85 to 90 guy. Best case scenario, you're going to get absolutely kissed on. It's going to be 110 type average. It's going to be incredible. Um, but yeah, just, it feels like a lower risk in comparison to basically all the names that you just mentioned, MJ. Yeah, it's an interesting one. I, I want to throw out this one. I'm oh, sorry, Jordox, you go, man. And then I'll throw out a thought. Oh, I was just going to say, look, um, Green, I think the conversation is for Dream Team Supercoach. I just think in fantasy, there's too many other forwards that you could look at. Um, and the price uh, is what, um, it's a great point you made, Ben, that he will go big at one point. So the price is very tempting. I'm jumping on him in AFL Fantasy this week. So if anybody else wants to jump on the train with me, feel free to. And we can go down together like the Titanic if we need to. That's totally fine. Um, all right. Here's this thing. We're in round uh, 14, best 18, because it was a hard week for coaches anyway across the formats. With some of the teams we were missing, it was challenging anyway. Then you throw a Richmond and maybe to a smaller extent a West Coast, but definitely guys like Dusty, Short, um, Hooley, Gaff, Nick Nat for some, uh, and then a couple of, of cows across some formats. It, it has stretched a lot of coaches to getting close to a maximum of the 18 available on field. Again, I'm a bigger fan of count your premiums, not the total, but it helps. Sometimes you get a high more. Sometimes you, you get that ton out of nowhere and it, and it works out for you. Here's my thought, Ben. I want to I get your take on it. What's the value of a trade, whether it be going super-duper aggressive or sideways premiuming, sideways trading some of our premiums. It's probably more dream team and super coach related, um, although I think it's relevant. But because they're limited trades, the assumption is if trades are low across the majority of teams, is it better to do a sideways trade for an increase of 100 points this week? Or is it better to try to save the trade for a potential forced injury cover later in the year and can you make those points up later in the year? What's your take? Yeah, well, you, you break it down a little bit with how many trades, how many weeks we've got left. So we've got 10 weeks left right mm-hmm. now. Um, if we're getting a trade of, say, we're going a 100-point player to a 100-point player, um, we're getting one, one more 100-plus score, and then they have the exact same score for the rest of the season. We're only getting 10 points for that trade over the next 10 weeks. Yeah. And to me, to me, that doesn't feel like enough. That feels like... Uh, substantive substantively less if i can spit it out mj <laughs> than what we need to be able to achieve so we need to be looking at trying to get 25 points per week sort of minimum i <laughs> feel like with these trades now if you're if you're a team that's in the top uh you know the top 100 you're battling out for a victory or yeah or whatever the case might be you might be looking at say Jaden short is a, n- a name that we hear being thrown up a fair bit. Now he's, mm-hmm. he's averaged 90 for the season. Mm-hmm. Um, he's been very consistent. He just had a great game on the weekend. He's, he's a guy that we can look at and we can say, okay, we think Jaden short's going to average 90 for the season. Yep. We think that Lockie Whitfield's going to average hundred for the season. We'll get a hundred extra points with Whitfield this week. We'll also get 10 extra points for the rest of the season. So we'll 190 points better off. Yeah. yeah. So it'll be 200 and that feels much more like a sort of a fairly good trade. 
Um, but I think I think we do need to see a little bit of a jump in average, or alternatively, we need to be able to get a lot of cash. So Dan Houston is a, a name that I'm sort of seeing popped out in yep. a few different places. He's at 530k right now. If you go down from Jaden Short to to Houston, that's 110k. Interesting. Now, they, yeah. They're probably going to basically average about the same. You feel like Houston's had a bit of a slower start to the season, but he's a yep. 90 guy every day of the week. Um, that's 110,000 savings, which maybe potentially allows you to go and get a Toby Green or, or you know, facilitates a trade for a Lockie Neal. So we're always looking at what else does it allow you to do? We're always planning three weeks in advance. We're always, we are always planning three weeks in advance. I think that's the main, mm. main sort of point. So I would say like for like, no, don't do that. 100 points for this week and then nothing in the future doesn't really excite me. And extra, extra points, getting a little bit of a mini upgrade, so to speak. Um, that's a good move going down, but getting the same sort of type of points, which we saw that um, a good move earlier in the season was a, a Dyson Heppel. He, mm. he was a guy that was sort of around that 300,000 point, uh, 300,000 mark. We got him to a 95 type average. Yep. We're always looking to get like guys that are undervalued. So Houston, um, a short to Houston. I like that type of deal. A short to a Whitfield. I like that type of deal. I don't like a short to say a Daniel Rich who might be more like a 90 guy when, when everything sort of finishes yeah, up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a good answer. Um, yeah, it's a good answer. Yeah. Can I, throw, can I throw a name that I'm thinking about Ooh, is okay. an Andrew Gaff. An Andrew Gaff, if you own him. Mm-hmm. Is he someone that you could move on at a loss because he has dropped a heap of cash? Um you know, I'm fairly bullish. He'll he'll bounce back from what he's doing the last few weeks. He, he'll have a run where he, he gets on it again. But mm-hmm. just philosophically, a player who is a primo who's underperforming, could you move him on in his buy to, let's not say a parish, but let's just say a, a Josh Kelly. He's Kelly. Up. Okay. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Not a money saver. I'm talking spending. A spend on top of? Spend- oh. I think the first so thing you always ben do is, yeah, before, yeah. What Ben said before was short down to Houston. I thought it was that perfect example where yeah. you can turn a, um, a problem into a cash opportunity where it's yeah. similar output of points, but you get the money. What if it's the other way around with Gaff? I think for me, the first thing is using Gaff as the example. What is what is the projected average you think he's going to do between now to the end of the year? Look at the history, look at the fixture, look at what he's going to do, look at the games at home, all that sort of stuff. Um, and and from there, map out what you think he does. And if you go, he's 100 from now to the end of the year. Okay, cool. So it's the same thing. You still do that mapping out of what it actually is. If it's 150K, you've got to chuck on top of him. Um, let's use a Kelly as the example because varying formats, it's around about that perspective. What's Josh Kelly between now to the end of the year? Okay, map that out. Is that trade that you spend and that salary cap that you spend, is that the best way to increase the points available to your team from now to the end of the year? Or could you put that onto another player this week in another line or in another spot? The the good news is there's multiple ways to get there. Um, It's the question of also then how many cows do you still have on the field? The the objective of success is getting cash cows off the field as quickly as possible and is doing a gaff to a Kelly trade, is that going to slow your plans down for three to five weeks? So instead of completing your team in two weeks, it's now going to be five weeks. 
because you're now having to stump up more cash. So that's another factor to kind of go in through there. Um, but as far as I'm concerned, if you only think a gaff's a 90 guy from now to the end of the year and he's driving you nuts, pull the freaking trigger. Um, so so <laughs> yeah. like in a forward line, it might be, it, it's different, but it might be an Isaac Heaney. Um, he's different because he's, you probably purchased him as value and he's not. Maybe still yeah, side bottoms a think- better contrast. If side is driving you nuts um, and you think you can get a better score for a minimal upgrade and it's not going to affect your plans, go for it. Also, if you are mm. legit in contention to win this sucker, this is the week to attack because this week there are coaches that are struggling to get not just 18 on field, 16 on field. This is the week that coaches are struggling to get more than 10 premiums on field. And if you can plan it well and you know what your team looks like in a month, you know the cash cows that are coming through that you know you can get, this is your last big attacking week left to go. And so if you're within 100 points per week from now to the end of the year off the overall leader, I think it's a little bit harder in Dream Team. If you're not in the top couple, you're in trouble. I think in Super Coach and AFL Fantasy, you can make up a little bit more there. Um, then yes, you, you go for that. If, if, if you think you can make up those total points over the year with the trade and an upgrade this week, go nuts. But if you go, like you said, I think Gaff goes back to doing Gaff things. That was a paraphrase. Why the freak would yeah. you trade him then? Um, but nah. that's only if you think he is. Yeah. If you don't think he is going to be that, then why would you I keep think, a 90 um, guy when you can get a 110 guy? Just on, just on Gaffy, I, I do think Kelly and Shuey come back will help. So if, if you do Correct. have Gaff, he will be all right. Yep. But it's a good example isn't it, of, a, of a guy who's lost cash you know, and now it's his buy. It's like, oh, here's an opportunity to just... I'd be buying low on Gaff just quietly in Dream Team (laughs) and Fantasy. People might pick him up if he goes big next week. Yeah, I'd buy low on him. You're right. Kelly, back in a couple of weeks. Yo, finally back, looked really good through that midfield. He was, along with a couple others, the prime reason they won that game against Richmond. Shuey's playing in the waffle this week. You get him back out on that wing over to Rome. Yeah, I'd... I get the point, though. Anything you want to add on that, Benny, before yep. we get to some other questions from our Patreons? No, mate, you know that. Thank you, mate. I appreciate this, the vote of self-confidence for you on that one through there. Um, we've talked about sidewaysing premiums a little bit through there, so I don't think we need to do it. Let's hit some of our Patreon questions before we wrap up this episode. Sarah wants to know, Ben, I'll throw this one to you. She plays AFL Fantasy. She's got a bunch of other questions through there. I think we've covered them for you, Sarah, but this one we haven't. Is it too soon to be looking at Matt Rao? That's oh, her question. Soon. Never too soon, MJ. <laughs> <laughs> um, in all honesty, yeah, it probably is too soon. But yeah. look, he's, he's you can fun, look, um, just don't touch. Very exciting. <laughs> if you love Matt Rao, you want to do it early. Um, he's going to probably take quite a like I would say three or four weeks to really find his footing. He he did struggle again on the weekend, but you know, absolutely buy him when. When he hits his bottom price, because he's, he's going to be one that we love for the next the next ten years, I think. 
Yeah, I think it's a good call. Stephen wants to know, it's an AFL fantasy question for you, Jordox. Um, is is it too early to trade Caleb Poulter? After trades, including Poulter, he'll have 19 on field, but it does include, with the only rookies on field, Kaczynski and Newman. Are you happy in AFL fantasy to pull the trigger on Caleb Poulter this week? Um, well, it comes back to what we were saying before, doesn't it, about... Um you know, the aim of this period is to get as many of those kids off the field and he's been excellent, Poulter, um, but he does have the buy. I'm just trying to see. Um, so after trades, we'll have 19 on the field. With only rookies being Cozzy and Newcomb. I guess it depends who you're going to. If, it, if it's an upgrade, um, I, you know, I know these kids have been good, but I'll, I'll use Bianco as an example. Probably a different... Different example because Poulter's been doing it for um, for longer. But you know, Bianco, I thought was going to be someone that we could just sit for a while at D six or, or in your midfield if that's where you had him. Um, and then he turned out a thirty, which really took me by surprise. I'm not suggesting Poulter does that, but I, I think we just got to remember they are kids. So if it's an opportunity there to upgrade him to someone and you want to do it, your only rookies left are Cosy and Newcomb. Um, yeah, the answer is yes. You trade him if it gets yeah. you to a premium. The answer is yes. I want nothing to do with Collingwood players, um, with the exception of Scott Pendlebury and Brody Grundy, until I see what Robert Harvey does with this team. Um, it, it could mean they go full kid mode. It could mean they go full mm. um, uh, uh, Josh Barker or sorry John Barker mode, where he puts the old established blokes back, or which Teague did the same to get a job. It, caretaker coaches can do a bunch of different things so outside of the proven legit guns get the kids off the ground get a premium in enjoy the extra week in AFL fantasy you'll get cash generation elsewhere with with that question though for steven Mm -hmm. i think uh, another question i'd add on that is if he's got 19 could he trade cozy instead and have 18 because cozy's just going to go down in value cozy will get you a 40 every week So the Mm. question is, are you trading Poulter because you need the cash to make an upgrade? Um, And if that's the case, go nuts. But if it's about points on field this week, at best you're getting a 40 from Kaczynski. He's not going to play Adelaide every week for the one game where he scored well for us this year. Um, For me, get the kids off the ground. And if Poulter's the way to get there. What's the chance Kaczynski's score would be in his 18 anyway? But anyway, there's some things to think about. All right, there you go. A couple more questions. We'll fly through. Ian McRae wants to know, Ben, what do you think the difference is going to be between Sean Darcy and Brody Grundy from round 15 to the end of the year? Both aren't playing this week because of the bye. Grundy should be back healthy under Robert Harvey and with Darcy having, to be fair, a breakout six weeks. Who do you think scores more between now and the end? Of the year? Do we have to answer this one? Yes, again? mate, we do. Uh, I think it's fairly comfortably the big Collingwood man. Um, I think it's probably comfortable to the tune of about 30 points a week or so. That's a tasty I think co- that, that That's his question, and it's a fair, we think it's fairly obvious. Let's rephrase it, though. Okay. What if Ian has actually... With Ian has actually picked up Darcy in recent weeks. Yes. Can he ride him to the end or does he still 
absolutely have to turn him into Grundy before. We- no, he doesn't have to because it's about what did you do then? So if you did Grundy to uh, Darcy two weeks ago, you've banked across the formats, give or take 250 to 300 points, give or take. Let's say 250 um, to round it across the formats. So you're already 250 points ahead. You also probably saved yourself a couple hundred thousand. What did you do with that? So now it's not just Darcy v Grundy for the final uh, nine games of the year. It's Darcy v Grundy. What's the gap? And have you made up that points gap across the trades of what you've done in these past two weeks and the upgrades it's enabled you? So you always look at it in totality. You never look at it at a Grundy v Darcy if you did it a couple of weeks ago. If it's from round 15, well, then it is Grundy v Darcy unless it's a Grundy and a Darcy plus this because it saves you the upgrade. That's how you need to look at it. If it's just a pure one-for-one one and there's a price difference, it's the wrong way to look and at it. And just on that as well, Darcy plus this, whatever that whatever that was, mm-hmm. has been an exceptionally good move. Yeah. So, you know, if, the, if, this, um, if this fan of ours is actually, yeah. or, you know, this commenter has actually said, hey, he's gone down that route, plaudits to you, mate. Well done, it's man. It's been an exceptional move. Mm. And I... I was sort of, you know, talking it down a couple of weeks ago because I, I just don't think that um, Darcy's the type of guy that I'd necessarily gravitate towards. He's always had a huge history of injuries and, and whatever the case might be, but he's made me eat my words. He's done exceptionally well and you should be absolutely stoked and you've got to factor in and that to do it, 25 points. Yeah. To do it in, in Supercoach too, because if I was doing the Darcy move, it would have been fantasy because you can flip him forward. But to do it in Supercoach or Dream Team, you're right. Yeah, well done, Ballsy. If you've done that, if not, there's some nice uh, tasty meatballs from uh, the coaches panel to help you through. All right, lads, we are done on this episode. There's a bunch but of quickly, other questions. Before, oh, yes, go before we Before we finish, now, if I wasn't on the pod, I would have typed on, on Facebook this question. So I'll okay. put it to you. Go. Can you pick up no, no, I don't a kid question. on the bubble? Yes. A kid on the bubble yep. who's got the buy. I'm talking um, Amati, I think that's how you pronounce it, and yep. Edwards at West Coast, the two that I'm looking at. Sure. Can you pick up one or two of those if you've still got 18? Is it too risky to get um, the week ahead? The first one is, do you have Newcomb? Because if you don't, he's the one to get. If you do have Newcomb yeah, already, um, yep. Good call. Good call. the only Good call. reason you're doing it is because um, for this reason, both this week and next week, it is the only way to do the moves you want to do. Um, and so this week you're trading into him because it helps you with an upgrades that you must achieve this week and or next week. It, that's the only reason I could get behind an amateur and Edwards or a Foley um, kind of week ahead is because if you don't do it this week, you can't do it next week or you can't make the upgrade plans or you can't get the guy at the break even at their want. The only thing I would say about all of those guys is just look at who's coming back into the team and how long they might be there. As great as Luke Edwards was, mm-hmm. it was one great quarter. It was one great quarter yeah. and it was a really great quarter. But if you're he a Finlay McRae, he did. But if you're a Finlay yeah, McRae yeah. owner, you know what it's like to just have one great quarter. Now, I know it's very, very different um, circumstances <laughs> yeah. there, but it's one great quarter, but he's shown a sign. The Norm Smith medalist from 2019, he's going to be back next time that West Coast play. He's playing in the waffle this week. West Coast are desperate to do everything they can to get home final opportunities. 
they're going to want to get some synergy back into that midfield. So as good as he is, Edwards, you you can't guarantee that you would keep a two-game player in the midfield over him. Now, no, I don't think it's as simple and as easy as that. Put it back and a Tim Kelly and a Tim Kelly who's not far off too. Mm. You always went trading in. Yep. What? How, how have they got their opportunity? Why are they getting their opportunity? What's the narrative? And then it's a uh, if you're trading in a guy that won't play this week, it's got to help you this week and next week. If it doesn't, don't blow up a trade. And on the Eagles' inclusions, would you put Amati ahead of Edwards based on the fact that Amati's already keeping um, Sinclair out? Yep. Yeah, I would. DPP, it helps those that either have Josh Tracy um, or want to get buy into Rowan Marshall. So it's not just about that. It's a, It opens up DPP, which Edwards doesn't. Um, and so yeah. for me, yeah, I, I'd put Amity. If I, if I was to trade into one, he's the one I have the most felt comfort that, that he's going to be okay comfort, for me. Yeah. That's Perfect. not for everyone. Benny, Thank for you, you, would you add on to Thanks anything for to that? No, I agree with all of that. I, I think the DP rookies are the extremely important. They're extremely important throughout any period of the, the season. It's why we loved Anthony Scott even at the start of the season. It's one of the key learnings from my fantasy season actually was the fact that when you've got a, a Caleb Poulter or even the, um, the, the little uh, midfielder from... DP Devin Robertson as well. Yeah. Um, the Brisbane guy. When when these guys are DP players and they're playing midfield, you've just got to get them in. That was the the big miss for me. So I love my DP players at the um, rookie basement price. Just get them in. And Amadi's, you know, shown so much for us already. So no brainer. All right. There you go. There's some thoughts, some nice questions. Uh, well done to both you lads. Appreciate your work on this podcast. If you want to go and check out any of the other episodes we've dropped throughout the season thus far, you can find them wherever you're listening to this bad boy right now. Just go back in. If you're listening on uh, Apple Podcasts, leave a five-star rating and review. Make sure you follow us across Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, wherever you're getting this. Articles dropping every single day at coachespanel.tv. If you're playing through the buy rounds in your draft league, I'll make Jordox has just dropped a couple of one-hit wonders that'll get you through this week. There's some nice, tasty it's options. It's a little ripper in there to go and check out. Uh, Thursday morning, which is about the time most of you are going to be listening to this, you'll get a little article from me about my best buys coming off the multi-buy round, and there'll be the break-evens and a bunch of other stuff at coachespanel.tv. All right, lads, that is a massive podcast episode. Appreciate your work, and thank you to you for listening throughout this episode. Hopefully this week goes your way. You get yourself a couple of high mores. All your upgrades work out for you, and you get the bloke that dominates with the VC or C this week. From all of us here at the Coaches Panel, good luck. We'll chat to you next week. Yeah.